0: Welcome, you're listening to Intentional Conversations from Mika White Consulting, an encore presentation of our weekly podcast where we intersect diversity, equity, and inclusion with leadership and business. Let the conversation begin. Now, it does me great pleasure to give a formal introduction of today's special podcast guest co-host, Dr. Tawana Burroughs. And as I normally do, I'm going to read her official bio so that you can understand her credentials, her accolades, some of the experience that she brings to this space. And then I'll give you an opportunity to hear from her directly as she will greet you in her own way. Dr. Tawana Burroughs, president of Coach Diversity Institute is a best-selling author, trainer, and ICF professional certified coach based in Washington, DC. As a sought after executive coach, Tawana and the Coach Diversity team deliver training, curriculum, and customized diversity leadership programs for corporate and individual clients. In 2021, Coach Diversity Institute ranked number 524 on Inc. 5000, the most prestigious ranking of the fast-growing private companies in the United States. Tawana is a trusted partner and problem solver for many clients tackling morale, employee retention, employee engagement, employee performance, and development. She has a doctorate of education from the University of Pennsylvania, a master of science in education, also from the University of Pennsylvania, and a bachelor's degree in chemistry and mathematics from Howard University. So yes, she is a bison. So in your own way, podcast community, take to the chat, find those emojis, find whatever words and sentiments, but let's do a great honor of helping Dr. Tawana Burrows to feel welcomed as our special guest today. We are so excited to have you. I'm going to spotlight you so that I can bring you into the fore. We have really been looking forward to today's conversation. And so what I want you to do, Tawana, and I did kind of prepare you for this, but I said that I would ask for you to um, just greet this audience in your own way, but specifically thinking about what are some things that I was not able to share from reading your bio that people wouldn't know from reading your bio that you are willing to let us in on to help us connect a little bit deeper with you. Welcome. Thank you so
1: much. It's truly an honor to be with you and your audience. I mean, I love seeing everyone uh, in their faces. You know, Nika, it's been so funny um, that we've never spoken, but yet we're attacking the world in our own way. But okay, so Um, Welcome, everyone. Thank you for coming in. I could tell you that what a lot of people don't know um, is that I am a mother of two. I am a proud mother of two. My oldest is 26, and happy Veterans Day to Genesis Harper. She is in the Army National Guard, and I have a 12-year-old son who's in seventh grade, so I have this wonderful gap between uh, my children. And uh, the other thing that's important to know is that I am a little bit of country and a little bit of city. So I was born and raised in Washington, D.C., but I spent most of my time being nurtured and developed by my grandparents who are from North Carolina. And so the warmth Mm -hmm. and the nurturing and the the family and community connection came from the South. And so I am a very interesting mix of of both and um, I'm proud of it.
0: I love that. I love that. And I, I don't think that I realized that you had roots and the Carolinas. And so, yes, I'm, I'm even more of a fan now. So that's that's awesome. My sister lives in D.C., so I get there a lot. So I have to make sure I'll let you know the next time I'm that way. I'd love to be able to have an in-person meetup. But um, thank you so much for accepting our invitation. I look forward to just diving into really great dialogue. And so let's not delay. Um, can you start by telling us about your journey into coaching specifically?
1: Mm. So the the world of coaching um, has been quite popular for a long time. Um, I discovered coaching after I left corporate America. Um, I had gotten to the point where I could not be managed anymore. I looked at the leadership above me and said, you know what? They're just not ready for me and my talent. So I decided to leave. And in doing that, I was exploring what would be next for me. And I, I started my management consulting firm coaching was one of the things my clients kept putting in front of me. And so I started to ask questions about it. I found a school, enrolled, and that was the game-changing skill that made everything that I was designing for my clients stick. It was the game changer. Um, Because we can teach, we can educate, we can take people on this journey of learning. But typically goes in one ear and out the other. The trends come in and something gets, you know, more popularized than others. And so coaching was the thing that allowed them to rest in behavior change. Mm-hmm. and coaching and behavior mm-hmm. along with your learning and knowledge that combination was critical and so that's where my in my integration of coaching into my practice became the primary service um for a long time once we realized that coaching not all coaches were trained equally not all yeah. schools trained um to do some of the specialties that we needed that's when my interest and in, um coloring coaching became like my priority.
0: I love that. And I'm so glad that you did bring um, reference to the fact that um, not all coaches are designed um, and upskilled equally right you know i think that there's so many individuals these days that will just raise their hand and label themselves as a coach mm-hmm. and um and while i certainly can appreciate that everyone's journey is unique and 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 you know you know we all define that differently i do think that it's critically important for us to bring to this conversation how in which we are defining a coach as it relates to um, being able to direct directly impact that behavioral change, because I think that's the key. Um, And so why don't you just reflect on that statement and share what's coming up for you based upon how you have seen um, different individuals to define coaching and and how that may differ from how you like to define coach.
1: Yeah, so again, all the schools have their specialties. Um, Mm -hmm. And so whether you're focusing on leadership, health and wellness, the variety is there. However, the core competencies on how to be a coach, um, it's, it's consistent every, you know, that's the guidance. Yeah. What I'm noticing is that the, what is critical and necessary today, mid 21st century is the need to be able to coach anyone means anyone different from you. So Mm -hmm. it's one thing to say, I can help a a client with goal achievement. However, how does culture play a part of someone needing to lean in or be more confident if culturally it's opposite of who they are? So that is what's needed in in today. And so when we talk about coaching generally, okay, what do you want to work on? What are your goals? How can I help you get there? And, you know, allowing them to kind of surface all their internal strengths and willingness to do whatever. Um, But in my world, coaching is your commitment. Coaching is shifting mindsets and behavior. Coaching is understanding clearly what makes you uniquely you, what gets in the way of you being able to connect with other people, not relate to other people, but to connect. And in that connection, are you willing to uh, participate and learn more? And are you curious to learn more? Because in a world where you are doing goal achievement, unless you're by yourself and you're only working alone, you must interact with other people. And in right. what ways are those other people impacting your ability to be successful? And so that's the behavior system that I'm I'm always focused on because a lot of people believe that they can do it alone and you, you need community sometimes. And in doing that, how is that ability to in, inter, uh, intersect community into that space? That's a challenge sometimes for uh, for a lot of clients.
0: Okay, a quick true or false for you. Mm-hmm. All people leaders should be coaches. Absolutely, true. Okay, expound upon that, please. Yes, today,
1: more than ever, we talk about the global marketplace. We talk about a lot of companies are international. They are consistently hiring across mm-hmm. diverse lines, right? every leader every people leader needs to understand the value of that talent yeah in order for you to honor respect the way you open your this 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 podcast okay the way you open about being respected seen and heard the mm. only way you can see and hear people, which are two fundamental needs of life, right? To be right. seen and heard. In order for you to see people and hear people, you must know how to coach people, lean in, be curious, ask better questions, listen to what they're not saying, listen to what they are saying. And that is across diversity. And diversity, people typically trip on, trip over this idea that diversity is just the visible, It's what we stereotypically call race, ethnicity, ethnicity, gender, the obvious. I want to go below that. So people leaders need to dwell in a space below the zone. Those things that are not typically discussed regarding values, beliefs, culture, education, community, and interaction. That really matters today.
0: Yeah, I love this discussion, and it leads me to another, um, another maybe true or false question. You know, are all all managers are also coaches? True I or false?
1: Would, I would say, well, no, unfortunately, false. Managers are typically right off the bench, meaning their hands have been on. They, unless an organization is paying attention how to groom talent, groom managers most managers are not going to use the coaching. Yeah. Coach. They're not. Yeah. And that's a sticky point.
0: Yeah, I would definitely agree with you on that. And, and what it highlights for me, though, is the need for a mindset shift for organizations to be much more intentional about equipping their people leaders to not just be managers of their of the people that fall under their report, but to be coaches. And that's, a to me, that seems like it's a different path of development, right? Yeah. And so- um, yeah, this is really interesting. So here's another question for you, Tawana. When is a coach qualified to coach? And how do you know? Mm-hmm. How do you know? All right.
1: So my role is you need formal education. You absolutely need to know how to coach. All right. You need mm-hmm. to be trained and educated in the coaching competencies. That's primary. Um, I used to say... You didn't need to necessarily be educated and qualified as a coach, because if you are, you've been a great leader organizationally, you great, you know, with human engagement and interaction, you could basically do this. Um, I used to subscribe to that model until I realized that too much bias and too much opinion and too much my way, this is how I did it. And the things have changed so much that your way is no longer the right way or things have changed so much, it's not gonna work that way. So I would say that it's important that that you are educated and that if you can be a credential holder, you go to a certification, but if you can be a credential holder, get the credential. If not, the certification is enough. But when you know you're ready is when you can work across diverse lines and you can be steady water without judgment, and be able to help the person that is across from you with goal achievement, without being judgy, leading, and or finding yourself problem solving for them. That's when you're really ready.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. And then therein lies the big question that I know this audience is really wanting to dig into is Coach Diversity Institute. So tell us more about it, all of the different layers. What can people expect if they were to go through such an experience?
1: Okay, so Coach Diversity Institute started in 2015. So remember I said that we Wanted to color coaching. That means we wanted to diversify the coaching space. There were when I started in coaching and before I actually started in 2007, coaching primarily were um, middle-aged white women and gay white men. That's what it looked like. Conference yeah. after conference, class after classroom. With that in mind, the organization was saying, "Well, can you bring coaches that look like?" The organization I lead, and that was harder to do than I expected. So I started the Black Life Coaches Network, knowing that we need to find community and use them in the, co- in the spaces um, for those contracts and agreements. When Coach University came about is because working with those coaches and, and being arm and arm in partnership, many of them were still getting stuck in the advice space, um, leading through their expertise as, you know, I, I had this experience, let me share what worked for me, or I can always advise, tell, and, and, and problem solve which is consulting. Okay. So everyone in that space, they were consultants. So I decided that in order for this to work and for me to get the best out of the people I was serving, I needed to write a curriculum that would allow coaches who were ready and forward thinking to work across diverse lines, to be able to embrace this idea of um, knowing who you are, knowing the type of client that you cannot serve because you know your bias will step in, the client you cannot serve because you're triggered by their presence or based on something that they've said or done, and being able to write this curriculum and present to them that behavior shifting that's needed in order for you to be an amazing coach in the world. And so in 2015, we wrote the curriculum, submitted it to the ICF for accreditation, Mm -hmm. and we've been moving ever since. And I can tell you the three service areas that we offer We have a certification arm of our school. So anyone who wants to be in the coaching space, we certify you in the coaching skill set and we're accredited through the ICF. The second thing we do is offer one-on-one coaching services. So uh, big business will call us up and say, we have a community of leaders. We want to offer them, them, and we will then provide them a bench of coaches and serve them for a period of time on contract. The third thing we do is customize training and education Mm -hmm. using the coach approach so it's just not DEI training organizational development strategy it's using the coach approach the entire time integrating that layer after layer so that the learning and behavior shifting is happening at the same time while they're in learning, Um, and so those are our three core service areas.
0: No, I appreciate that. And I think it's worth amplifying that you do have the approval, the backing, the support of ICF. That is critically important. Um, Because again, we said in the beginning that not all coaches are created equal, right? And there are a lot of people who will just label themselves as a coach without having gone through that appropriate training. And so I wanted just to make sure we amplified that. So I want to bring up a Harvard Business Review article and get your reactions to it. But this article um, talked about the benefits of coaching and they used the acronym coach to describe how today's leaders should work with people. As a coach leader, you need to care for your teammates, right? That's the C. Organize them into their sweet spots. That's the O. Align them around the organization's purpose and values. The C is challenge them to reach their full potential. And the H is help them reach their goals. How does this fit into the trainings of Coach Diversity Institute? Is there alignment there? Yeah, there is some alignment except for the help. Helping the goal, and this is the reason why
1: organizationally we are not doing much Uh, we haven't improved the way we shift accountability Mm -hmm. Uh are now overworked they're stressed they are uh, what I call load balancing so much organizationally because traditional leadership models in an organization is you are measured by the success of your team which would mean that the leader is now going to load balance any deficiencies that they're having on their team. So let's say anyone who's only doing 80% of the effort, that 20% is now load balanced on the leader. Multiply that by every team member you have. If I continue to help you versus inspire you, move you to a place of empowerment and accountability, then I can now rest assured that the organization is getting a return on their investment, and you're giving a hundred percent. I'm doing my hundred, and we've really got equity here. And so the primary thing that I want everyone to understand that people leaders need to be coaches. They use the coach approach. I wish more of them were coaches or had coaching skills, and we're getting there., my, my, you know, I'm doing my best to get that, you know, you know, out in the world. But I can tell you the helping one is the one I would not necessarily uh, co-sign on because I need leaders to shift accountability and empower their people to do the work. And, and what is it about you as the leader that need the people to need you? What is it about I- So if if you are used to saying, I need my people to need me because you want to serve and you want to be that person that go to, there's something about you that's getting in the way of their ability. And that is, again, a a big indicator. So in our coaching world, I would unpack what is your need to be needed so much so that you are disabling your people to be for thinking and leading and they won't need your help because that codependency is not going to keep you you know, normalized and without that burnout and stress.
0: Yeah, no, I love that, Dr. Tawana. It's the difference to me between coddling, enabling and empowering people to go and be able to to rise to their full potential. And I love that. And and that is the essence of of really what coaching should be. What I like about the distinction that I feel like you bring probably from a lot of other entities that will um, upskill individuals to be astute coaches is this notion of helping people to coach across difference. So talk about the importance of that and some of these specific strategies that you integrate into your curriculum, your programs, your offerings to help bring bring that forward.
1: Yeah, so in our coaching uh program, we do not avoid conversations about race, ethnicity, sexual, sexual orientation, nothing. It's all on the table. We talk about mm-hmm. systemic injustice, microaggressions, right. minority stress. We think of we take all of what's trending, we bring it in the classroom. Mm-hmm. We're helping our students to first be the client themselves. So in order for you to be a, a, a powerful coach in a space where you can coach across diverse lines, you must first know yourself. What are your triggers? What are your limits? Because in our world, After you learn the core competencies, you need to know who you are and your ability to work with certain types of people. um, You will have your preference. You are entitled to your preference. But if you try to force working with someone that triggers you or creates that, you know, that stress level of stress, you won't be at your best. You absolutely will Mm -hmm. not. And so it's no need for you to try to force yourself to work for someone if you believe that women um, should not um, be in leadership roles. If that is a Mm -hmm. truth, then every time you work with that woman, you're gonna lead her into a space of not moving into a opportunity of promotion and an accelerated position. You're not gonna Mm -hmm. do it. And if you do it, it won't sound sincere. It won't sound authentic. And you may also encourage them to, to play small versus to stand in and lean in, as they would say. So there are certain variables that are so important that as the coach, you must understand about yourself because there are some belief systems that people of color that they have that have protected them. And these belief systems are sometimes negative if judged by some, um, someone else. But some of those, those ways they've navigated their lives that are protection, you need to understand what does it mean for someone to believe that they're not good enough? What does it mean for a woman to say they have an imposter syndrome if they're different from you? What does that really mean across diversity? So the level of education and learning that we um, have in Coach Diversity is unpacking those details. And those individuals are submitting themselves vulnerably to the curriculum to see deeply who they are, what their non-negotiables are, what their values are, what their strengths, gifts, and talents are, so they stay in power and they can help support those who they know that they're most powerful for.
0: Yeah, so what's so interesting about this to me is that what I'm hearing you say, and I'm paraphrasing here, is that in order to be a really effective coach, effective by way of that behavioral change, you have to make sure that you are self-aware so that you aren't bringing in any of those, those thoughts, those sentiments that could be harmful to someone's growth into that coaching environment. Mm-hmm. And that's so interesting to me because, you know, you even gave the example of like imposter syndrome of someone, you know, believing that their truth is that women can't be good, effective leaders. If those biases are there, then it certainly can impact how in which someone is coaching and leading someone to whatever type of trajectory which they are seeking. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious as to how do you assess for that when you are working with individuals to help upskill them as coaches? What is done to make sure that there is an assessment of that self-awareness and where there could be some gaps, that they are shoring those up before they're then or sent out to you. Now, coach, you're ready, right? Coach put me in. Well, we have to make sure you're ready. So what does that look like, Tawana?
1: Yeah, so we're not looking for perfection. We're just making yeah. sure you are deeply aware of where you need to kind of draw the lines. Like yeah. I can go up to this point. This, I am comfortable with these types of challenges. I'm comfortable with these cases. Um, I'm comfortable coaching a black male. I'm comfortable yeah. coaching someone from Southeast Asia. That is layer one. What about layer two? I'm comfortable coaching someone who believes homosexual, that homosexuality is immoral. You know, how, how, where does that exist within you? Can you do that? So in our world, we're not looking for perfection. We're wanting honesty.
0: Yeah. And for you to you be know. able to turn the client
1: away and say, I, I know I possess the core competencies of the skills and the abilities to coach. However, I know that if mm-hmm. we enter a coaching relationship, I might not be able to serve you from my highest um, or best skills. Mm-hmm. It is the yeah. understanding and the honesty and truth of that. So in our world, it's the, the flexibility of saying this is who I am. I am a devout Christian and I do not believe in these things. Then that means you want to stay If you can't coach around how you feel about that and say, oh, just get over it, you know, and you project how you believe the world should be, because most people are going to share from their experience. They're going to share from their expertise. They're going to share from the way they did things. That's the watch out. And so when we work with our our, uh, students to begin to uh, nurture and develop that muscle to where they can say no, I'm not the best coach for you and it's absolutely okay. I would prefer that you say no than to move into a space and, and have and create harm and or frustration to any client.
0: Yeah, no I love that. It's almost like that that close trusted buddy or friend that will say to you, "Okay, I know you're coming to me for advice, but I'm not the one. I can't help you here because I'm just as triggered or I'm I, I can't be your buddy to keep you um you know accountable for like your your fitness and health goals because I'm going to be the one to say, "Yes, let's go to this drive-through and get a good snack, right?" You know? So yeah. we have to know we have what we know we if and, and if we feel like we aren't going to be helpful to that individual to be able to steer them in a different direction to maybe another resource. I do appreciate that. So I want to put this in the context now of organizations, because again, we've already uncovered that there's a lot of value into organizations helping their people leaders to think and behave like coaches. But as I mentioned before, I don't feel like the training of a coach is finding its way into those professional development spaces, right? Um, And so what should the role of HR be in organizations as they are helping to craft and develop coaching programs?
1: Okay, so coaching can exist in, um, you know, learning and development. Coaching can exist in human resources. Coaching exists inside of diversity um, offices. What, when when organizations call us in, they're more frequently looking at how do we skill up our leaders because many of them are forward thinking, they really want to be better, they want to be inclusive leaders. So the, the buzzword is inclusive leadership and we know that leading inclusively means that you are willing to do, you know, do the work so that all voices are heard, respected, people are seen and they feel like they belong. So. When human resources um, is calling us, they're typically calling us because we got 360 feedback, we have performance challenges, so in an HR world they're coming to us because there's a challenge. In learning and development, they're trying to integrate coaching into the learning journey to become a great leader. So the transition Mm -hmm. from management to leadership or the transition from employee to manager, they're embedding Mm -hmm. the coach approach into learning and development for that talent. If it's coming from the diversity office, they're typically saying, hey, where we have challenges where they need to be more aware. So there's education and coaching. So I'm going to teach you the foundations of learning around diversity, diversity 101. What does microaggressions mean? What does it right. mean with the, these terms? What is all of that? So you're educating and coaching because the education is required for knowledge. So, so you can notice or catch yourself. The coaching is regarding behavior. So the two go together. So each different office sees coaching differently and whenever I get a phone call and I hear what department's calling I automatically know what's happening so you are typically listening for um and where it should live it doesn't have to live in any particular office but if an office like HR is responsible for it they're typically trying to problem solve.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, typically, trying to problem solve, I have seen that as well, and it begs the question of, do, you know, do we need more um, advocacy around the proactive um, aspect of introducing coaching um, instead of it being something that's reactionary? Because sometimes I think that it can be seen as almost like you're, you're being penalized when we're going to give you some type of special coaching, you know, initiative or, or assign you to a coach. It can feel like now I'm being penalized yes. because this yes. is this is a result of something that. That has gone wrong in my employer's mind. And I think that there's a need for a reframe there, right? There's a need to reimagine that. And that's where I like the the proactivity of it. And so do you want to react to that? Absolutely. I think the gift of coaching is for uh, organizations to
1: realize that if you have a mentoring program, there's a coached approach to mentoring. If you have um, that leadership journey and learning, this is that proactive moment where you're teaching them how to use coaching skills to enhance that talent, to improve improve the employee engagement, to increase retention, um, to do a better job, to nurturing uh, and grooming talent. So you're spot on. If if you're framing coaching as the one of the essential skills for uh, succession planning and retention, if you put it in that frame, then you realize, um, just like having a conversation about diversity, it must be embedded and integrated in everything. It should not stand mm-hmm. alone. We can't just say, okay, here are your diversity classes. No, here's your leadership class. And yes. here are all the modules that must be covered within that journey and so coaching skills should be embedded in that and that's how you get that uh, proactive stance and that ability to groom talent because here's the thing I so Nikki, Nika you have a talent in your space and succession plan is like you groom talent and you want to move them to my department mm-hmm. and let's say you are not using the coach approach you're not leading and grooming talent that person who's underdeveloped is going to come work for me and by the time they get to me, I'm going to wonder, what did you do with this person? How did you groom them? You know, right. what did you are they ready to work for me? Coaching says, I am not training you for this job because I hired you based on what you said you could do. So your current state so true. I already hired you for. My job is to lead you to be a better employee for the next person you're going to work for. So if yeah. I use that approach, then talent is always going to be ready for their next opportunity. And that is that proactive space.
0: Yeah, that that's the automatic built-in of that career pathing right P- allowing people the agency to share the responsibility with their employer of um, being being primed for those upward mobility opportunities and I love that I love that okay so I'm going to ask maybe two more questions before I will turn it over and then invite our audience to present questions and I'll just let you know that you can do so by sharing your questions um, into the chat if you don't desire for me to spotlight you and have you to unmute yourself and present your question live but we we do welcome that as well, and so if so, if you're interested, you can just raise your hand, and that lets me know that I can call on you. And at that time, I will um, spotlight you and let you um, introduce your question or comments. And so, while you're thinking on that, I will go to the next um, couple questions for for Dr. Tawana. Um, so you have partnerships with both of the H's. I'm talking about Harvard, and I'm talking about Howard, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want you to share with this audience what what does that partnership look like exactly, mm-hmm. and um, and and how they come to be
1: All right, so the relationship with Hardwick started um, when we were on the student services side and working with um, the office to connect faculty. I think it was during the time where they had a lot of on-campus conflict. Um, So they brought us in to work with their leadership to be able Mm -hmm. to um, do a better job connecting with students. Um, But fast forward to where we are today with Howard University, that partnership is with the School of Business. Um, Mm -hmm. They had a, a coaching program previously. However, again, it's kind of stopped at the, just the core competencies, learning how to coach, and then that's it. Howard was looking for a a program that can embed um, that diversity lens. Obviously, being a a historical Black college and university, they wanted to make sure there was that space of learning about uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, liberation, and justice as well. So that partnership with Howard University, um, the curriculum that we wrote, Wrote, we basically um collaborate where their faculty participates in that five days of learning so it's five consecutive days nice. and they um so you have their uh professors and their um their guest speakers come in and they are inserted and in, into the learning journey that we've designed in the coaching space and it's a great way of speaking to some of the top names in industry and yeah. um the program is is very popular. It's extremely popular, um, and there's a waiting list. It's over hundred people long. It's so wow. and so. We just opened for 2023. Uh, the new uh, enrollment application for 23. So that process is starting. Um, and because applications, everybody that applies to our program there's an application process, a review of you, making sure you're mm. a good fit. And so, Nika, when you were asking about, you know, how do you know? Um, uh, how do you groom this talent? And how you create this community of coaches well first of all you have to apply are you a good fit um you do are we your people um does it make sense for you to be here and so I can tell you out of over a thousand students that we've graduated only one student in the entire eight years has been a wrong fit we called it wrong and we asked that person um to leave within the, the first half of the day because we realized this is your language and your behavior are not consistent. And that's not going to help the learning environment. And we've only had to dismiss one student. And it was a gentle dismissal but it wasn't, But it still had to happen. So the partnership with Howard, again, same thing as the application. Are we the right environment for you? Um, Many of the uh, applicants for any of our programs, they can be the most senior level executive or they can be an individual contributor like in the consulting space. And um, they all are amazing, amazing people.
0: And how many do you
1: accept to each cohort? The max in every cohort is 26. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you keep and, it rather small. Oh, yeah. have yeah. yeah. to the learning yeah. too deep. Yeah, very small, yeah. very intimate. And we do in-person and virtual now, of course. And our uh, private classes is when we're brought into an organization and they have an entire team of leaders that need to get the coaching skills. They want to get certified or they just want the skill without the certification. And we and it's a private class. And so they we go in and just work with their leadership for a period of time.
0: Okay, fantastic. So a a question has come through to the chat. So I want to present that question. Um, So you have clearly zeroed in on the importance of um, behavioral change. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you encourage coaches to work on behavioral change as opposed to just equipping people with knowledge?
1: Right. So from the angle of the coach, the coach must first understand and shift their own behavior. So it's a difference between transactional coaching and transformational coaching. What I'm describing is transformational coaching. Anybody can coach transactional. So that means, what do you want to walk away with? You know, what do you want to talk about today? What do you want to walk away with? Transformation is, what do you want to talk about? What makes this important? And what would you like to walk away with? So that transformational space requires the student to go through that in-depth understanding of themselves. What makes this work meaningful to you? What is it that you need to understand? What is it that you need to unpack? What are some of the thoughts that you uh, have privately that need to be discussed? What are your values? And then how does that translate to a client? The same way. When you're working with a client, every student experiences the curriculum in the same way a client would experience it. And it's important that they have that learning experience because without it, you don't really understand the journey that you need to take your client through. So it's Mm a bi-directional opportunity of learning.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. Another question in the chat. This one comes from Karis Cohen. Hi, Karis. Glad you joined us today. His question is, how do we get information about connecting as well as applying to your program? So share that information
1: to Lana. Okay, so you can um, obviously see all of our um, courses that are available on our website, which is coachdiversity.com. So coachdiversity.com. And you can also follow us on social media at that same um, uh, act, at Coach Diversity everywhere. And, um, and again, all of our courses that are open still, because it does a lot of selling out, those are the ones that are available.
0: Yeah. And you you also have an international reach now because a lot of your classes, of course, are online. And so, um, you know, I think a lot of us discovered that while the pandemic may have brought some challenges, it also brought some opportunities. And it seems that was the same for Coach Diversity Institute. Do you want to share a little bit about that?
1: That has been the most rewarding. So I can tell you, when we were in person, We had students flying in from Dubai. Can you imagine flying in that long? Yes, for hours to come in the class. Sit in class with us. Now, in our classroom is extremely relaxed. So, everyone's mm-hmm. a, a good student, of course. Everybody's paying attention. But in that moment, they can sit on the floor, you can, you know, we, whatever you need to do, you know, but we tell people be comfortable because you're really going to learn a lot of uh and you really need to be comfortable while you're learning. But they would fly in from all over the world and when we became virtual, then of course the other continents opened up. And so we're really enjoying having that diver the extended diversity so it's not just the Americas and Canada and the Caribbean. Now it's, you know, um, uh, Scotland, you know, again, more of Dubai, Africa. And we've had wow. several. Um, amazing opportunities to learn, meaning what's going on current state in your country and how do we address some of those cultural differences, even with the curriculum, because it allows us to evolve the curriculum in the moment because they are having a very different experience from the U.S. I mean, the the U.S. is not the, the, you know, the gold standard for everything. And so we have to be mindful, even in our classroom, how important that certain language doesn't translate. So if I use a particular word like fantasy, that word does not translate the same or intimacy. That word does not translate the same, and we have to be mindful. So when we talk about diversity in our programming, we don't we walk the talk. We are we have um, the ASL, we have you know here the deaf community presence, so we have ASL and signing language interpreters. We do it all because it is nice. important to walk the talk. And so our curriculum is constantly evolving because of that international participation.
0: No, that's great. That's fantastic. And so you mentioned almost a 1000 graduates. And so can you think of any success stories that um, you would love to share with this with this community? What there are some are, success stories. There are some amazing. Oh my gosh. So um, we have
1: some of the most popular national NOLA speakers. Um, we've had celebrities come to class. I can't name those individuals, though. But I see so, <laughs> my, so most high-profile, um, internationally known speakers. Um, we have um, Dr. Shirley Davis, Dr. De La Toro McNeil, um, Miguel Alvarez. All those are high-profile. Even Sonia um, uh, um, Avelez, She is uh, uh, Sonia Aron- Aranas. Is I'm sorry, I have called her name wrong. So national speakers. Then you have some celebrities. Yes. Then you have those alumni that partner up. So let's say we're in a Mm -hmm. cohort together. We're sharing deeply. We're doing a lot of personal things and we build companies after class. Those are our most successful alumni. They partner together. They write curriculum and they take on the world based on their very specific niche And those individuals have begun to impact the world in their space. And again, the collaboration and for us, we can't be everywhere, we can't do it all. So for us it's wonderful because we get to now refer business and because I've trained them and I know who they are and I know their work, I can refer business to them I can even partner with them and it makes it amazing. So our most our success stories are those coaches who graduated from our program and partnered together and created a momentum around their particular area of service.
0: Mm, Great. No, awesome. Um, So questions are coming into the chat. Um, Tina McDaniel, great to have you here today, Tina. Her question is, are there specific behaviors that are challenging in terms of making the shift from consultant to coach? That's a great question, Tina.
1: Yeah, Tina. And that's the problem solving because coaches um, are asked not to lean off of that problem solving, you know, bone in our bodies. You know, as Mm -hmm. consultants, we typically want to solve the problem. So coaches, um, when they move from consulting to coaching, we tell them specifically how to catch yourself when you are ready to problem solve. Because w- as a scientist, I always problem solve. That is the one thing I had to learn. So that's primarily what shows up in the in the classroom. So we teach you how to avoid that problem solving need and um, lean more into converting what you really want to say in a leading way into a
0: question. And we practice that. That's That was a great question, Tina. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) Um, Amora Carter has a question. Should all organizations create formal coaching programs or is it more authentic to let them evolve organically? What's your take on that, Dr. Tawana? I can tell you this. In my
1: world, because we coach across diverse lines, I don't want to work with any leader that's not forward thinking. It's a waste of my time. So Mm -hmm. I would love to say all organizations should, you know, have a formal coaching program where they teach them the the coaching skills. But if it's diversity coaching, if it's coaching where you're working and intentionally grooming talent, it's different because people move at the rate of their own self-interest. I am not going to force you to coach across diverse lines. I'm not going to force you to see that's the organization's job. The organization needs to hold you accountable for behavior that's calling, causing disruption and hurt to people that are different than you, okay? That's the organization's mm. job. And I will say that in the work, we are most often um, requested to come in where people want to learn how to be better, And it's that desire and that curiosity that makes them a great student as an executive leader or a mid-level manager. It doesn't matter. So I would love to say you need a formal coaching program, but then sometimes those individuals, just like anything else, would put up resistance and would want to, you know, kind of, you know, uh, not want to evolve. So I would say that it should be an option like other training and learning. Um, Mm -hmm. If it's standard basic core competency coaching, yeah, put it in there, make it a requirement, tell them how to ask better questions and how to listen. And, you know, that's transactional, but for transformational employee engagement,
0: um, building talent and empowerment, that requires transformation. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. Another question in the chat. So we have lots of questions coming in the chat. I still want to remind everyone that if you desire to actually be able to present your question live, you do have that option as well. And so feel free to raise your hand. I will call on you, spotlight you, and invite you to unmute. So this is in the chat. Do you have particular frameworks or theoretical perspectives you integrate into your curriculum?
1: Yes. So Cultureverse has its own learning framework. Um, So we designed the the curriculum around, obviously, empowerment coaching. So empowerment coaching for us um, means understanding how much power do you have or feel like you have in any given moment. And so when that means power is talking about your ability to make decisions, your ability to be in control, your ability to uh, have choice. And what does that look like, especially in the worlds where people feel powerless? And so for us, our learning framework is around empowerment and shifting
0: clients from feeling a state of powerlessness to powerful. Now, I haven't asked you about your book today, but I know that when I was reading your bio, you are certainly a best-selling author. So I wanna give you a chance to socialize your book with this community, and we're gonna source it into the, the chat for everyone.
1: All right, so there are two books that I wrote. The first one I wrote right out of coaching school, cause I was just so in love with it. I was like, oh my God, I gotta get this out of my head. And so I dumped my, my thoughts inside of a book um, called Purposeful Action, it was right after um, I finished coaching school. The second book was a lot more personal. It was after uh, the murder of Trayvon Martin. And I was a new mother of a little boy, a little brown boy. And I could not uh, rest at night wondering, what messages do I need to share with my own son? And so I called some of my friends um, and created a community and wrote an anthology that allows the voices of Black men in America that I respected to write stories about how they transition from powerless to powerful, how they were able mm. to, uh, bec- you know move move and shift out of their environments that were not necessarily um, healthy, and it, these are all success stories and how they were able to shift from one point to another, and that was um, the call. Um, um, is the name of that book? The book, oh, book we're just going to me.
0: ask you that.
1: The Call. Yes, The Call. Um, The the book I'm working on now is on inclusive leadership. It's specifically talking about the idea and the need for leading inclusively here in the mid-21st century.
0: I love that. And when is that one scheduled to release? We're
1: behind schedule
0: already, Nika. It (laughs) happens. Oh my (laughs) goodness. The world is demanding.
1: So yeah, we were supposed to uh, launch this fall, but unfortunately I'm going to have to punt it until next year.
0: Okay, that sounds good. We'll be on the lookout for it. But we did place the call into the chat. And the other one is entitled Purposeful Action. So we'll get that into the chat Mm -hmm. as well. Um, So, okay, fantastic. We're going to go to the next question. And our friend, Lynn Roy, who was here with us today, a frequent um, visitor on our podcast. I'm going to add you to the spotlight, Lynn Roy, and give you an opportunity to unmute yourself and share your question or comments. Welcome. Thanks for being here.
2: It's been great listening in today. A wonderful topic. I actually got into coaching when I was working at Michigan State University in Career Services. Um, and it was a time that it was projected to be where it's at today. My question though, is you're, you're pivoted to it. You're doing some great work. It sounds like this fascinating. My question though is, as you brought up your son, my, my question came to mind, how can we use the coaching um, in that space with young men um, cause I remember when that happened, that murder happened, and I was in front of um, many black um, college age students, and we talked about the problem real well. Uh, but we we didn't deal with the solution. Yes. And I remember we were about to break loose, um and I had to raise my hand and say, "What would Tremont say from mm-hmm. his grave for you to do differently?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes,
2: and really challenge that group because the whole ninety minutes was dealt with this kind of rehashing the problem and racism and the problems that we have. But I think coaching which along the same line as mentoring can really help solve some of the challenges that we are confronted with as black men, which really doesn't get the attention that I think it really needs. And we really are the endangered species that someone said, I think Jawan um, Katufu, I believe was out of Chicago, framed that that particular context. Thoughts?
1: Oh, lots of thoughts on that one. I can <laughs> tell you right away. When I wrote the call, and it, it's an acronym, it stands for character, accountability, life, and leadership. It was because. As a nonprofit uh, community uh, and I own my own nonprofit I've always worked in the space of young people with young people. The gift that coaching gave is the ability to empower and mentor that community group that demographic um, needing to understand who they were and having that sense of pride when no one else when no one else was interested in them being and becoming great. And so I absolutely co-signed on having coaching embedded in community, Mm allow communities to see themselves in a a very powerful way. And we know we must unpack that feeling of disempowerment, not being good enough, not being smart enough, not being the right color of uh, skin. We know that that has to happen. We need to break that through. And that's where even our cur- curriculum fits that community model as well. So 100%, we have a lot of members of the clergy who comes through our class who are deeply embedded in community work. So this again, how do you shift um, perceptions on how you view yourself in a disempowering way to seeing yourself in a more empowered way? And what do you need when things get tough, when you don't know um, how to survive because you've never been given the manual on how to survive and thrive in certain environments.
0: Awesome question. Thanks so much, Lenore. We appreciate it. Yeah. I want to ask really quickly, while we still have a few moments remaining, um, Dr. Tawano, what do you think about group coaching? Because sometimes for organizations to be able to implement such a formal coaching initiative, um, resources can be tight. And so they may have to look at group coaching. What are your thoughts about that?
1: Absolutely. So there is a rule regarding group group coaching and the number of people you can have in a group when you're coaching. So Mm -hmm. those who are facilitators and trainers in the room, be mindful that you can use the coach. Uh, some coaching skills in the moment, but when you're group coaching, you're limited to um, uh, like 11 to 12 people. I would never, don't ever go over 14. That's too many. So group coaching requires you to stay within that small intimate group. Um, Also making sure that there is a common denominator as far as what it is that they're all wanting to learn or understand and what you're translating as far as information. So there must be something common in group coaching um, that you're working on in order for them as a collective to grow. And even if they grow, uh, learn at different rates, the information is is still there. So that those who are facilitators and trainers, that's what I mean. So I absolutely endorse group coaching uh, with those boundaries. And um, because coaching is expensive for some, and and because it is, um, as far as time is concerned, sometimes you have to reach larger groups. That is the only boundary i would put on those.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And are those kind of best practices based upon like ICF standards? ICF. Mm -hmm. 11 to 12. Okay, great. No, that's really good to know. Yes, and they have to have a common denominator because obviously if people are looking to be coached around a multitude of areas and they all are coming together, that certainly cannot be effective in reaching and meeting all of those needs. Okay, well, we're almost at the top of the hour, but we like to also bring in some local news of what's happening. We know that um, this week was really big for the uh, midterm elections, and so Any reflections just as you think about um, the outcome of midterm elections?
1: how one of the things that I have spoken to several alumni who called me up because they were working in this space. So they called me up and they needed to vent off how they were feeling in the moment yeah. um, and how they needed to um, reconcile with themselves and the judgments that they had with themselves. So here is primarily what I'm saying in the, in the, in the moment is that um, this, the support that you need when you're disappointed, the support that you need even when you're happy, the question is how are you projecting your, um, your excitement and or your disappointment. How are you modeling that? How are you projecting that? Um, if you are in corporate spaces and leading spaces, we know social unrest, political lines are leaking into the workplace. So I always yeah. submit for people to consider being mindful that your celebration can be someone's great, deep and um, painful uh, hurt and mm-hmm. to um, regulate yourselves accordingly.
0: No, very good advice. Yeah, and those conversations are certainly ensuing this week and probably on into future weeks. And so really good advice for us to be mindful of. Um, So I want to give you an opportunity to close this out in a way that um, allows you to share whatever else maybe that I have not asked you about today, but you have a lot of passion and energy for, and that you want to socialize with this audience. And so what's on the horizon for you, Dr. Tawana?
1: Um, well, for us, again, I, I was mentioning the need for focusing on inclusive leadership. I'm not telling people that diversity doesn't matter what I am informing that we are very um, organizational. There's a lot of diversity. We lack representation at certain yeah. levels. But we do have a lot of diversity, and I want to uh, offer up for your audience to recognize the need for more inclusive conversation, more inclusion around um, uh, the talent and making sure people feel seen, heard and valued and respected in that way. And so I want that done at all levels, though, you know, from entry, like when you're brand new, because We're seeing that people are coming into the organizations and the organizations aren't ready to receive the gifts and talents that are coming in diverse packages. Those organizations, those cultures are not so good. And so you need to fix it and work on that. And so that inclusive leadership
0: uh, standard is extremely high as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, wise words. Thank you so much well, we are out of time, but this has been remarkable. Thank you so much for sharing with our podcast community. We hope to have you back in the future. We know there's a lot more that probably we could have touched on today, but we really do appreciate your insight. Uh, I also want to thank each of you for joining us this Friday. We never take it lightly when you decide to spend this hour with us. We know there's many other things that you could be doing. If you found this content of value, please share it out with others. They can catch the replay or even be able to get the audio through podcast. And we're just so grateful for this community. Be sure to join us next week as we have Neha Sumput to join us for our Intentional Conversations podcast. And um, otherwise, be well this weekend. And again, happy Veterans Day to all the veterans who serve our country. Thank you so very much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.